0: Welcome to the Phil Nason Show.
1: Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. We're here to make you smarter sports betters, and I have a great show planned for you today. Head on over to PlayUp. PlayUp presents this show. PlayUp Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook for all sorts of things, especially rollover bonuses like 1% rollover rate. That's not too bad. Sign up for an account at playup.com and find out why PlayUp is always going to be your very best bet all picks on the phil nason show are tracked by betstamp head on over to betstamp.app follow us purchase our picks listen to our show and see how we do it's easy to verify everything that we do betstamp.app i got a great show like i said please welcome trevor from big tasty sports what's up dude Not much, Phil. Just uh, excited to be joining you today to talk some NBA, man. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been riding a real struggle bus in the NBA thus far. I mean, to the point where I sometimes cry myself to sleep over how stupid I, I seem to be. But you've been crushing. That's a great thing. So tell us a little bit about who you are, Trevor, and what is Big Tasty Sports and everything that you're doing. Promote yourself, dude.
2: All right. All right. Not the thing I'm best at is the self-promotion, but, uh, so I'm just a guy who probably like a lot of people started getting into capping because I love sports. And so for me, big tasty sports is just sort of an umbrella for creating good content that helps people who really love sports to be able to make better decisions about betting. And so I just want to walk that line where I'm doing the research and, and grinding and putting in the work to really have good angles but at the same time, uh, not get away from that love of sport and actually watching the games and and being involved a little bit as a fan, though hopefully not too emotionally. So, yeah, so I'm on YouTube and then uh, at NBA Attack on Twitter is where I post a lot of my stuff and, and where you can connect. And then just recently starting to get a podcast going, trying to follow in your shoes a little bit as well.
1: Oh, I think you're going to eclipse anything that I've ever done. but one of the things that you said was good content well i can tell you this it's great content and that's how i discovered you um on a youtube video that was on twitter and i said man these guys are pretty good and they're nba guys you you were working with someone else at the time uh who's also tremendous absolutely and that's when i started sending you my premium picks
2: you absolutely did,
1: and you know what? People don't. Yeah, people don't really realize this, but I've been doing this a very long time, and I've set up accountability for myself and transparency for myself. Unlike most people, and unlike and like no other, I send my picks out randomly to five people every day. The picks that you can't see in public, and yep. I also have bet stamp, and, and every one of my guests knows this. That's why they laugh occasionally when they see my record and go, "Holy crap!" But it's all good. It's all good. So you know what? It's COVID-19. We've been dealing with this for a while. Last season, it seemed easier than this season. And I thought what we could do is perhaps share some tips. Mostly listen to Trevor, because like I said, I've been riding a struggle bus. But uh, let's give some tips about handicapping NBA games during this period of our lives, which which lacks certainty.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, hopefully we're coming through it a little bit. It seems like the the I mean, I would go and look at the, the lineups for the day and you'd see just there's more people out than people in on a given day. And it seems like we're starting to get through that a little bit. But really, the, it, it's kind of good practice in a way, because in the NBA, so many teams end up sitting people at the last minute, people are in and out of the lineup. And so it does make capping more difficult. And so, when yeah, you had asked me, you know, like, what are some tips for capping? And a a couple things that I think are really important. One is if you want to be good at this, I think you have to really understand what teams are like when certain people are out and not just make assumptions. So a great example of that is John Morant was out for about two weeks. And John Morant is a phenomenal player, super fun to watch, amazing athleticism. I mean, he's been scoring like crazy lately. And so you would think when a phenomenal player like that goes out, it's like, oh, Memphis is going to be terrible. They're going to lose every game. But the opposite was true. They were actually the best defensive team in the league during the time that he was out. And they had enough people to fill in the back end on offense that they continued to score not quite at the same clip as when Morant was in, but at a decent clip still. And so they had a phenomenal, they they almost were an automatic bet for me against the spread while Morant was out. And so I think especially if you listen to national media and stuff, it's so star driven that when a star goes out, people just automatically assume that that's it for that team. But it's for some teams that may be true, but for other teams, it's really not the case. And so I think you really have to try to understand what a team is actually like when certain people go out. And I think it's really beneficial because, for instance, with John Morant, the next time he ends up sitting, whether it's for rest or an injury or whatever, we have a better read on what Memphis is like without him. And again, we don't have to make assumptions. So that's a big one, I think.
1: That's a great one, too. Um, I remember you and I were discussing the Oklahoma City-Memphis game, and I thought there's no way Memphis is going to cover without John Morant. You know, they would need a scoring, and it turns out, Oklahoma City got beat by 80 points or something that night.
2: (laughs) That was a bad one. That
1: was a bad one, but the point still remains in that you want to use the tools that are out there. I used to use NBA Wowie uh, to find out who's on or off and how teams do, but NBA.com also has that, right?
2: Yeah, and I'll look even at ESPN's NBA uh, coverage or Roto-Grinders sometimes. I try to... look a few different places because it seems like the information comes in quickest on different sites on different days. So so I have a few that I check out.
1: Roto Grinders is the DFS heaven, and that's where every daily fantasy basketball or any daily fantasy player ends up when they first start is Roto Grinders. They do give great advice. Um, NBC Sports Edge also has injury information that you can use. I usually look at that real well. But one of the things that I suggest, and I can't do this because I'm on the tennis court and it's not nice to do that while your student is trying to figure out how to serve, um, (laughs) is to live wager. You know, if you wait 30 seconds into the game, you might get the number you want. You know, you might go from a team might be two point favorites and after the first two minutes be like four point underdogs and you can get a number that you like that way. That's one of the things. The biggest thing I do is check the schedule. You know, we have so many games that have been rescheduled, and you're looking at teams which they try to avoid in the CBA. The collective bargaining agreement for the NBA is to only play like three games a week and reduce the back-to-backs. But I can't remember who it is, but they're playing four games, two games back-to-back twice this week. So you want to look at stuff like that. you have anything else?
2: Yeah. Well, let me just affirm what you're saying too. I was actually amazed as I've been capping games this week, how many teams are playing like five games in seven days or something like that. And I think it is because of this rescheduling because of COVID another thing on the schedule to watch for. And this is something I've really just started doing more recently is watching when teams are at the end of a long road trip. So like the Hawks were at the end of a long road trip uh, just a couple days ago. And I thought they were in an okay spot in terms of the numbers, but watching that game, they just didn't even show up at all. You could tell they were done and they didn't want to be there. And so I'm starting to watch stuff like that with the schedule too of you know, if a team's been on the road for six or seven games and they're at the end, it might not be as good of
1: a spot for them. So I learned you know, I learned that a few years ago when I was writing for a website called Pounding the Rock. And the San Antonio Spurs go on what they call the rodeo road trip. And they're gone seven, eight games on the road because the big rodeo is in town in San Antonio. And I learned something there that they, now those days they had Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker and they had a better road record than most home record team, home teams had home records. But that last game of that road trip, you know, once they've accomplished an over 500 record on a road trip, The players start to get antsy. They've been on the road for two weeks. They want to go home, pet their dogs, see their wives and kids, or whatever, and and that game means nothing because they've already accomplished their mission, and that's to be over 500 on the road. And that's a great, but that's a great extra piece of advice. Pay attention to that schedule. The other thing that I will do, though, is uh, second half plays. I don't mind second half plays. Because you've got a good idea what's happening. These teams are who they are, and that's just the way it is. And Usually teams don't come back from 20, 30-point deficits, or you can see what's going on. Do you do second-half plays as well?
2: Uh, I do some second-half plays. Uh, One of the things that I've actually done a little bit more recently, and I haven't been putting this out there as much because I'm more just testing it out for myself, is looking at teams where I actually like them in the first half, but they go down after the first quarter. Um, And so I was able to get the bulls once this last week on the money line at like plus 135 or something. And they ended up winning the first half pretty easily. And so I, I think the key for me with the live betting is to bet spots that take bets that you like. And that might sound like really stupid advice. But when I started messing around with live betting, I would just take any team where the spread moved the wrong direction and hope that it worked out. And in reality, sometimes, like you said, a team gets down 20 points and you think, oh, maybe they'll come back. But it might just be a really bad spot for them. And so looking for spots, though, where you think, man, like. Say you like Chicago. It's like, man, I really like Chicago. Well, tonight they're minus 14 against Detroit. Personally, I don't like taking double-digit spreads pregame, but if that thing gets down to minus 8, minus 7 at some point in the game, and I say, man, I liked, I thought Chicago was in a good spot tonight, those are the live bets that I try to jump on.
1: That's That's great advice, and I apologize. I had a box fall in my studio. I don't know <laughs> why, but hopefully I can edit that out, and if I can't, My apologies, but yeah, that's all great advice. The other thing I tell people to do is to play the money line more. Look for value on the money line or play totals. Totals are easier to figure out, um, especially during COVID. You know who's in, you know who's out. And also one thing that I want you to remember, and this is from an ex-athlete who used to try to make a living and feed himself with his sport, and that is this. These guys who sit on the bench and on the end of the bench... They're not tanking, okay? You might have teams that tank, but they ain't tanking because they're trying to pick up another NBA check. And those checks are substantial in sports. And the pension plans and all those things, and they just want to stay in the league. They want to make sure they pick up an NBA check because they're not going to get paid more anywhere else. And this is their dream, so they're going to come out there and play. And the coaches, for the most part, are on the same page. So pay attention. Don't listen to people who say, "Well, you know what? They've got they've missed their four starters. They might not give it their all," and that's never the case. If that's you're, right. If you're not if you're a professional athlete and you're not giving it giving it your all, then you shouldn't be a professional athlete. You're just a wannabe, and that's from a 38 year career talking. So what I'm <laughs> going to say is that's what I'm going to say. But the money line, you know what? I used to be. Trevor, a guy who would never play a minus 200 or above. Never. Too much risk, very little reward. But what I will do is do that during COVID because, you know what, something is better than nothing. Something is, yeah. Can, can I give
2: one other, just you one other give thought that came much, up? You can give
1: as much as you like. <laughs> All right.
2: Well, So here's another thing that I've really started to see with live betting that makes sense to me. And I'd be curious your opinion because you're much more seasoned in terms of the good ways to approach this. But, you know, the live betting in the NBA moves around so much so quickly that in the span of a couple game minutes, you could have a team that's like plus six and a half, minus 110. And then a couple minutes later, they're plus four and a half, minus 110. And you might still think that that's a decent bet. So a lot of times, you know, you talked about taking the money line. Sometimes that's better for plus money, sometimes just for security if it's a favorite. But part of what I've started to do with live betting is if plus six and a half is minus 110, I just and I like the bet. I've started taking plus five and a half at plus one hundred or plus one ten, so be, because that line's going to move that way pretty quickly anyway, and then I'm not paying the vig in. I don't usually do that with pregame betting. I usually work off the lines as you know as they are, but live betting, I think it's worth considering if there's a bet you really like. Giving giving one point in the NBA to get plus money is not a bad idea.
1: That's a great idea. That's exactly what you should do. It's all about getting value the most value for your dollar it's just like going to the grocery store you go into AMP or wherever you're going and you see Maxwell House for 649 and then down the street it's 449 which one are you going to take i mean that's yeah. basically what you've done is you look for value and whether it's live betting whether it's pregame bets or halftime bets whatever you're always going to want to get the best value for your dollar just like anything else in this world, and and that's a great piece of advice that I haven't heard very often, and it bears repeating. Pay attention to what goes on in these live bets. You see a number you like? Go and grab it. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I correctly picked the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship on the Wolf Line newsletter that you can pick up at cashwithflash.com. Anyhow, long story short, I had made up my mind that... This was going to be a one-point game. But I also made up my mind that I wasn't going to play Alabama because I didn't think Alabama would win. So I decided that if it was minus 140 or lower, I was just going to take the hit, winning money, because I couldn't play Alabama. And it turned out okay. So that's something, too, that you might want to consider. is Sometimes you have to take a little hit to get the maximum effect of what you want. But it's all about getting the number that you want. And what we're going to do, Trevor, for my listeners, because you know we, we've been doing NBA around here for a long time, but we haven't done it lately, not to this extent. But let's look at a couple games, and we'll talk about them like handicappers and, and maybe give these folks a couple of picks. What do you think? I
2: say we do it. That
1: sounds I, awesome. I say we do it too. You're so easy to get along with, Trevor.
2: That's, that's, it, that's what all this work is for, right? The the hours of diving into stats. That's what the, that's what it's for.
1: And then the sweat at the end of the night. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. Well, anyway, Phoenix, Toronto. Phoenix is a four point away favorite, and the total is two hundred and twenty four. What do you like about this game from a betting standpoint?
2: So my best bet here, and I kind of went around and round. I have two pages of notes on this one. Right. I think I think what I like the most here is actually Phoenix minus two and a half in the first half. Phoenix is back to full strength, and they haven't been in a while. They have Aiton back, and Crowder back, and McGee back now. And and when they were full strength earlier in the season, I mean, this was a team that set the record for for a win streak Um, they were pretty much unstoppable even by the warriors for a little while now they've gone through covid stuff injury stuff and they've been a lot more up and down but this is their second game with everybody back in the fold and i expect them to move back toward being that team that they were more toward the beginning of the year the reason that i'm interested in first half of and and i actually don't mind the full game phoenix minus four either. But when I look at Toronto, they have been pretty hot lately, and they've uh, they've won the second half in seven straight games, straight up, Toronto has. Where Phoenix, if you go back and look from Christmas Day back, which is when they had everyone playing, they went six and four in their ten games before that in the second half, so still good, but not as dominant as Toronto has been just here recently. And so that's the reason why I would lean toward taking Phoenix in the first half, but i I think this is a good matchup, especially Scotty Barnes is a game time decision. And if he's out, the the Raptors defensive rating is eight points worse when he's not playing. So I think this is a good, pretty good spot for Phoenix overall. Um, but but I like the first half even more.
1: You know what? That's a great call. I knew that you were going to do that. I, I knew it. You I, did? I, I, I knew you were going to make a first half bet. I like it because I have a one play myself. And I'm going to play the under in this one. Now, the total right now is 223.5. I, I don't think it's going to happen because here, here's why. Three of, five, of the last five games versus the Raptors with the Suns have gone under the total. You've got Toronto, who's 26th in pace over their last five games. And, and they, don't, they, they, they just don't seem to score the points. And if Barnes is out, that's going to make it even more difficult. Uh, Pascal Siakam is playing great though. He he looks like he's finally comfortable or trying to be comfortable being Batman, although he might not have gotten the memo yet, but Fred Van Vliet is Batman. So I I would say this. You're coming off a you're a Phoenix Suns team coming off being blown out by Miami, so you're gonna wanna step on the gas a little bit. They're fourth in pace, but this is gonna be a pace down game because Toronto has a slower pace, plus they're playing at home where they're more comfortable, and those average guys who are still exceptional athletes usually play better at home, I would think. Now, I wanted to go with the spread bet. I really did. I wanted to play the side, Trevor, because Toronto's 6-1 and one over their last seven against the spread. They're on a six-game winning streak also. Yep. But the problem is, is I don't trust angry Chris Paul much. And after the pasting they got in Miami, I think they're probably heading up to Toronto, or wherever it is they're playing, and want to sizzle their steak. And, and I think what's going to happen is they're going to smash the team. The total's going to be under the under the two hundred and twenty three point five points that Vegas has given us, and that's my play.
2: Sounds good, man. Uh, you know, one thing that I would add in the research that I did, and and I'm a little more. Uh, a little more unsure about the total, but I will say when Toronto's been scoring a lot, it's because of Fred Van Vliet. I mean, he's accounted for recently here, 30.5% of their offense, 30.3, 29.2. I mean, he's been in many of their games up around 30%. And I think if, I don't know if they'll put bridges on him tonight, but if they do put bridges on him to try to lock him down and can slow down Van Vliet, I think that means Toronto isn't gonna score a ton of points um you know one of the things that i see in the nba that i'm trying to get a better handle on is teams go on on these waves they get some momentum and you just referenced it toronto's definitely had that they've gotten everybody healthy and they've gone on a good run but i think they've overperformed and i think they're playing a team that's going to be coming back into form here so i actually think this is a good kind of buy low spot for phoenix
1: i i think so too you know um the other thing that I found with Toronto is that they're 8 and 1 against the spread over their last night at home. Yeah. Because again, you know, you've got that kid Drake standing on the sidelines, running his mouth like he's <laughs> playing in the games, just sitting there trifling. And uh, it just is what it is. But I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think Phoenix is going to lay the boots to him defensively because Monty Williams can't be happy with what happened in Miami, and neither can the rest of the Suns. And they're not going to give up a lot of points tonight. I, like, like I said, I think the under works. But two and a half for the Suns is Trevor's pick for the first half. Go grab that. Make some cash. Now we've got Minnesota and New Orleans. You know, I wanted to talk about Golden State and Memphis, but that's too much for me. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen there. I try to stay away from those marquee games if you notice with the picks I send you. But this Timberwolves team is a three and a half point away favorite. And the total is 227 points. What's up with this game, dude?
2: Well, I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, so I have to say that up front. And I've been pretty excited that they have something that resembles a basketball team this year. Okay. Because that has not been a normal thing for Minnesota. They've they've been a disaster most of the time uh, that I've been a fan of theirs ever since Kevin Garnett left. So, uh, In this one, Big tasty. my best bet. At- we, what's up big tasty Kevin Durant oh, yeah, Kevin Garnett right. yeah that's right that's right I didn't even do that on purpose so, <laughs> uh, so I you know I my my best bet here is going to be Minnesota against the spread I'm actually looking on bet stamp now and I see it down to minus two and a half which I think is a great spot I mean New Orleans has been playing okay And Herbert Jones is definitely becoming one of the better defenders in the league. And so I think he will probably be able to take away someone. But because Minnesota has more good players now, he can take away Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell. But he can't take away both of them. And then I think Carl anthony Towns against Jonas Valanciunas is not a bad matchup either. I think uh, Towns is a little more agile and should be able to take Valanciunas out on the perimeter, which allows Minnesota, you know, whether it's Edwards or Russell or even Vanderbilt, to drive the lane more because there's not as much rim protection in there then. And so I just feel like this is a good matchup for Minnesota overall. Also, Minnesota's just playing really well at the moment. I mean, granted, their competition hasn't been great in the last three since Towns and Russell came back. They played Oklahoma City twice and Houston once. So two very bad teams, and I get that. But the Pelicans aren't a phenomenal team either. And Minnesota just hasn't rolling right now. So I think that, you know, minus three and a half, minus two and a half is a is a good line.
1: That's the game. That's the exact same pick that I have. We're in agreement. You know, uh This is a crazy thing, but Minnesota's last nine wins have been by five points or more, Mm. and that's pretty interesting to me. They're 4-1-1 against the spread over their last six games. They're 5-0-1 against the spread in their last six as the away team, and that's not bad. You're looking at a a New Orleans Pelicans team that just is a mess. I like what you said about Jonas Valanciunas also because when he was playing for Toronto— and he had a matchup with Marcus All, two guys. This is before Marcus All started shooting threes and or at least shooting threes in the NBA. But at the end of the day, Valanciunas does a much better job and has an easier time going up against an old school type center cuz you know, he's not going out he's not going out there like Carl Anthony Towns and shooting threes. Um so I think he's going to have real trouble with uh Carl Anthony Towns. And what happens to their rebounding then, too? Because he's one of their best, if not their best, rebounders. So that was a very good point. But New Orleans has lost four of their last five. They have covered in two of their last three, but only two in their last five. I don't like this New Orleans team. I really don't. I think if there's such a thing as relegation, I think they could send their asses to uh, Siberia. Because this is the dumpster fire of an organization and it has been for years. I mean, they keep a coach for one year, fire him. Hire another guy, keep him for two months, fire him. Run players out of town because they don't like them. As soon as they get a chance, they leave. You know, losing Anthony Davis, they they got fleeced by the Lakers, in my opinion. But it's all the same to me because the Timberwolves, and I'm not a fan, although, you know, I, I like Minnesota as a general rule. Um, Flip Saunders was a big part of what, how this show started. He gave me my mm. first MBA credentials. He was my camp counselor when I was a kid shooting ball. And he came out to Corfu, Greece uh, on a vacation and saw that I was the head pro there at the resort he was at. And one thing led to another, and that's how this show at one time was all MBA. But backtracking a little bit, the T-Wolves minus two and a half, that's even tastier than three and a half. I'm in yeah. agreement with you completely on this, by the way. I just don't like this Pelicans team. I just, I, I think when the, when they realize finally, well, they made it official, but I'm sure the team knew, the players must have known, that Zion Williamson is not going to happen. That experiment this season is over. I think, uh, that made it a lot more difficult, and they resigned themselves to being where they are. And, and I love this play, by the way. T-Wolves, minus two and a half. Any interest in the total at all? Uh,
2: yeah, so I actually really like the under here. Um, I I, pro- I may stay off of it, and I'll tell you why, but let me just tell you quick why I like it. Minnesota's actually been better defensively than you might think. They have a reputation for scoring a lot and giving up a lot, right. which rightfully so, because they play pretty fast. But they've only allowed 105 points or more twice in their last six games where Towns and Russell are both playing. I think this is a good matchup. Vanderbilt can match up with Ingram on defense, so I think that's a good matchup. And the Pelicans have only scored more than 105 and two out of their last five games. They do score a little bit more at home, but um, I just think that this is a, a spot where Minnesota probably comes back down to earth offensively a bit. And the the total's high, I mean two twenty seven is a pretty high total,
1: yeah, so
2: I do like under the thing that scares me off of it a little is that the over is thirteen and three in the last sixteen games between these two at New Orleans. obviously, that's a very large sample size, um and I won't bet the over, but I'm you know not as sure about the under, I guess because of that
1: and, and folks you Trevor, you brought up a very good point. Stop slandering D'Angelo Russell in his defense. He's one of the – currently – well, last time I checked was probably two days ago. One-on-one style. He's one of the best defenders in the league. His numbers are fantastic. And the Minnesota Timberwolves suffer when he's not on the floor. They so really do. They really do. So stop the slander out there of D'Angelo Russell. You There's a lot of things you can say about him, I'm sure. You know, he's an Ohio State guy, right? So I could say even more things, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, I'll just leave it be. But this is going to be fun. Also, here's here's one more thing about the total. Listen to this. The over is 8-1 in, in the last nine Timberwolves away games. But 227 points, they're not getting there with a ladder or, or two overtimes. I just yeah, don't like I- the Pelicans, man. I just don't like that team, dude.
2: No, I don't either. I, another thing you could look at, I haven't looked at where it's set, but is to look at the Pelicans' team total under, potentially, too. That gives you the room if Minnesota does actually go and score a lot.
1: There you, there you go. See, you got a whole bunch of options, but officially, we agree. Timberwolves minus 2.5. One more to go, partner. Denver. Clippers. Denver Nuggets are a minus 1.5 point favorite. The total is 212.5. Where are you looking at in this game? Because Denver, they ain't been so good against the spread 16 and 22 this season. The clips haven't either 18 to 23. Where are you looking at in this game?
2: Yeah. It's always great when you get a matchup between two teams. Like, especially when I go look at the trends and I have written in my notebook bad against the spread trends for Denver, very bad against the spread trends for the Clippers. So (laughs) right, right, right. Not, not really good for either, you know, um, I really think what this comes down to is whether Denver can score or not. The Clippers have a very tight range in terms of how much they score. In their last five, they've been uh, between 100 and 108 in every game. Which you know maybe eight points sounds like a lot, but when you look at most NBA teams, that is a very tight range of scoring. And so I think it's very likely they score in that range against again tonight against Denver. And so my question is just can Denver score enough? One of the interesting things here to me is that Will Barton is supposed to be out tonight, most likely, and you think he's really important to them on offense, and he can be. Like, when he gets it going, he can play unstoppable for a game here and there. But overall, in the whole season, Denver's offensive rating with Barton is 108.9, and without him, it's 122. Right. So they've actually been significantly better on offense without Barton this year. So, um, and then the other thing is just the Clippers are actually wor- worse on defense since Morris came back as well. So, I'm betting on the fact that Denver can score enough points here—not that they blow the doors off, but that they can get to that 108 to 110 they're going to need. And my best bet here is Denver minus one or Denver Denver money line, depending on the price.
1: That sounds really good. Um, I'm not going to go there because they make me nervous. These are, these teams can't cover. Rightfully it. so. <laughs> but you know what I like. I like the total of two twelve and a half, and a half, and I like it to be under. I don't think that this team, this Clippers team, does a very good job scoring the basketball when Paul George is out. They're already missing Leonard. Luke Kennard's out. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein is out. Uh, who else is out? Justice Winslow. Well, I guess he's not that big a deal. But, well, to his mother, he is, of course. And we'll, <laughs> of course. We'll, we'll respect that. Will Barton, I, you know, this is a funny thing. I'm going to go ahead and look this up sometime at StatMuse if you want. Will Barton versus the Portland Trailblazers in Motive Center. He goes off on them because they traded him for a bag of donuts when Lamarcus Aldridge was still on the team. And that was the biggest or one of the bigger foolhardy moves Neil O'Shea made. I know all this because I was a co-host of a podcast called Blazer's Edge, and that website is humongous. So I'm pretty well versed on what Will Barton does, and you're right. You know what? He ain't never met a shot he didn't like either. (laughs) That's right. He will chuck it. He will chuck it, but, you know, I like the total. I like the under. I don't think Denver scores. They're missing. And Will Barton might be what he is on defense and offense. He's a hindrance because he chucks, but without him – I mean, where's that extra offense coming from? And Jokic, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him every night. He's undependable, not numbers-wise, but just attitude-wise. There are times when the kid is dialed in, focused, and dominates. And then there are other times when his attitude is like cavalier and just whatever, shrugs his shoulders and goes to the other end of the floor or sits on the bench. It just depends on the situation. But I like the under 212 in this one, and here's why. The under for Denver is 5-1 over their last six. The under for the Clippers versus Denver is 4-1 in their last five. Uh, These two teams don't play fast enough. Denver's 25th in the league in pace. The Clippers are 14th in pace. That's not fast enough to even get to 200 points. I'm going to play the under in this one.
2: Yeah, you know, one thing you could throw on for that under, uh, and all those numbers you gave are great, Denver has scored under 100 in four of their last six away games, too. Yeah, yeah, so,
1: that's right. That's uh, a great stat.
2: Yeah, but hey, one thing on my side in terms, of, I hadn't glanced at this with the spread, is Denver is 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six at the Clippers as well. All um, right. And this is a small spread,
1: so. That's crazy, man. That's crazy, but great job today. Thank you so much. Your debut appearance came off without a hitch.
2: Man, I appreciate it. This is so fun and definitely a privilege to get to talk to you.
1: So I appreciate it. I appreciate that too. But the, the privilege is all mine. Now, Trevor, tell everybody how to find you. Once again, remind them about the podcast and where that's hosted at. Just give us all the stuff you need to give us so you can pick up some more listeners.
2: All right. I appreciate it. So the best way to connect with kind of everything I'm doing is to follow me on Twitter. It's at NBA attack. There's just one, a NBA T T A C K. So follow me on Twitter is a great way to do that. If you want to go to YouTube, you can look me up at big tasty sports and have some, some videos up there. And then again, if you follow me on Twitter, I'll be getting more info out about the podcast as I'm getting that live on the different outlets and stuff. So that'll be the best way to, to find out about all that. And what I really do love uh, interaction from people too. So if you do jump on there, let me know what you think, what, what you like, what questions you have, any of that kind of stuff.
1: And be nice, please. Cause that's, yeah,
2: sure. I mean, I'll take it. I, I'd, I'd appreciate
0: it,
1: but just, but be nice to him because you know, he's busting his tail to make you money. So at least be nice when you're questioning him. Great stuff. All the things that Trevor described, you're going to be able to find in the show notes. Cause as soon as we get done with this, He's going to shoot me the YouTube link, and that'll be in the show notes as well. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank Trevor from Big Tasty Sports for bringing the gas to the NBA, and hopefully we can improve on that return of investment that I have destroyed you people at. Anyway, PlayUp Sportsbook presents the show. Thanks a lot. Head on over to PlayUp.com. It's always your best bet. Track us at BetStamp, and that's going to wrap it up. Until next time, you take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you,
0: and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.